0: Welcome builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen.
1: Well, hello, we'd like to welcome you to the Build Your Success Podcast today. This is where we build you so you can build others. We've got guests that come in and, and pour into us and share their experiences with us. And I'm grateful today to have Steve Cahan on the call. We're going to discuss how to be a startup superstar. Steve Cahan has successfully helped to grow six startup companies from early stage development to going public or being sold, resulting in more than $3.5 billion in shareholder value. He is currently CMO at Psychotic, which will become the seventh. He has just written a book published by Wiley and Audible and available on Amazon.com called Being a Startup Superstar. The book teaches those graduating college and young professionals how to earn a great living doing what they love by igniting their career at a tech startup. Steve, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, as I do with all of this, you know, I like to ask what you're passionate about. And, and you're definitely passionate about being a startup superstar. You've written a book about it. So, so tell us exactly what is a startup?
0: So a startup, according to the United States Small Business Administration, is a company that's been in business for under a year and is in the formative stages. But to me, that actually paints a poor picture for what defines a startup. And a friend of mine by the name of Doug Irwin, who's chairman of a venture capital company and serial technology entrepreneur, he offers a far more instructive definition. He says that a uh, company is a startup it, it operates like it's the last frontier for outlaws, a place where nonconformists can live, create, and sell their ideas. And to me, that's really cool. I mean, who doesn't want to be involved in that? In many ways, it's a place you get to be the rough-riding rebel running circles around large bureaucratic organizations. And so a startup really is a culture. It's a mindset. It's a typically a small team of crazies that are hell-bent on changing
1: the world. And you and I had this conversation, but for our listeners, you're not suggesting we become a startup. You're You're actually encouraging to go to work for a startup. Is that correct? absolutely and so if you take a
0: look at uh, the the careers of young professionals or even college graduates it's just it's kind of interesting is that nearly 14% of college graduates with a bachelor's degree within their first year are unemployed and nearly 43% are underemployed and what's more, according to a friend of mine, Josiah Sternfeld, who's a professor at the University of Texas McCombs School of Business, when he asks his students where they plan to work once they graduate, the overwhelming majority say a large corporation, in spite of the fact that 65% of all new jobs since 1995 have been created by startups. And if you Google the phrase people who feel stuck in their corporate jobs, you'll get nearly 300 million results. I mean, that's a lot of content. There must be a lot of people who feel this way. So I believe that, um, that these are stats where the economy is and, and good and, and job uh, uh, placement in many ways is, is considered to be excellent. And I really believe that startups can offer a viable and in many ways a better career solution for most people and you really don't need to be a techie to achieve great success at startups
1: either. Yeah, I uh, hear you there. And I like the idea that a startup is an idea, is a thought, a mindset. And it's not, you know, be it tailor-made to all these corporate rules and regulations. You know, you said about these students at vision, and you actually started in Fortune 500 companies. So how did you make the leap into the startup world?
0: So I, I actually did, and it's it's a story that's similar from so many people that I talk to. And I remember when I was growing up, uh, my father, like so many other uh, parents around the world, tell their children, uh, he used to tell me, say, Steve, go to work for a large corporation. You work hard, they'll take care of you, and you will have a great career. And then, of course, he would say, of course, your mother and I would much prefer that you become a doctor or a lawyer but shorter at getting a job at a large corporation will do. So that was the path I took. And about a year and a half in, I opened up my bank statement. I was down to $50 in my bank account. I was 22 years old working uh, at a, uh, a large corporation processing claims. And I remember working there. And as I was looking at my bank statement, the student loans used to grab a hold of my paychecks before I ever got a chance to hit my bank account. And at that point, I asked myself the question, how could I earn a great living doing what I love? And I quickly realized for me that it wasn't going to happen in sort of a pigeonhole role at a large corporation that I was in. And so I decided to moved to a startup, and this was many years ago, and I made all the mistakes in the world, but I've learned a ton about how to uh, how to make great choices. Uh, it turns out the, the, the first startup that I joined uh, where I was the first person hired in marketing a few years later actually went public. And so I got the bug and have never left the startup world since that point.
1: Sounds like it's been really good to you. You know, back to your point about the 14% unemployed and the 43% underemployed of these college graduates. I uh, part of the reason I have a podcast is because I started mentoring high school students, and my my message is to get them to consider construction as a relevant field that they can do work in. And you know, I didn't get a high, I didn't get a college diploma. I didn't get a high school diploma. I was I was I was barely that smart, but this idea that you come out of college and you make food poodles of money is kind of false in this society. And you're saying, you know what, that didn't work for me. So so then I got started in the startup industry. So tell us about your experience at your first startup. What was that like entering this new world? So it was, it was really
0: pretty cool. So, uh, But it didn't start out quite that great. So I remember on my first day at the startup, I remember looking at the office next to mine, and I saw there were people unplugging the copy machine, putting it on a dolly, and literally rolling it right out of the office. And I came to find out a few days later, it was because the company could no longer afford to pay for that copy machine. But again, I, I was blind to it. I was so pumped and excited to work with this small team of crazies hell-bent on changing the world, and in this case, changing the way applications were being developed. So I took the opportunity to learn everything I could. And what was really cool was that I joined as the first person in marketing, and soon there was another person hired. But what that meant was is that if we were going to do any marketing, I was going to be the one to do it. And it was awesome because I had the opportunity to try literally everything. And and I just picked up uh, everything that I possibly could to learn and to grow and to take risks and try different things. And so it was just an amazingly cool, cool situation. And if you compare that versus a large corporation where you're often pigeonholed into a smaller, role, there tends to be more acceptance of the status quo and bureaucracy. What it meant was, was that rather than being in this big battleship, I was sort of in, darting around the ship like in a speedboat where there was lots of innovation. We were moving fast, had to have a very nimble sort of startup mentality, and there was frequent change, uh, less training, less defined career path. So I really had to put that upon myself. and so. Uh, for me, it was just awesome because my learning curve was exponential and every day was fun because in many ways it was something new. And so that gave me uh, just a, a tremendous base of knowledge based on hard work, of course, uh, to learn from, which, which then uh, offered me just a, a great opportunity to move my career forward as I as I went through the years. And of course, this company, as I mentioned, a few years after the the time in which the copy machine was rolled out of office because we couldn't afford to pay it, it went public, right? And so it was, uh, in many ways, it was a little bit lucky, but but that type of entrepreneurial experience is not something that you're going to find, for example, if you are hired as the 15,000th R&D employee in General Electric, for example. Yeah,
1: without a doubt. And- You know, you talk about that cop machine being moved out and understanding that the bills were being paid. You know, this this startup wouldn't be for the faint hearted. You can have a little, have to have a little bit of resolve and stick with it to, to stay with the startup.
0: Yeah, and it really gets down to how you would go about choosing a good startup, right? Because there's lots of them and a lot of the startups fail. And so, In my career, if I would have had uh, good exits at like one of these or two, maybe it would be lucky. But now six going on seven, I've certainly learned a few things where you could dramatically reduce the risk. Because most startups, they have good stories, but they don't have good chances for success. And what you want are both. And here's really what I look for. So the first thing that I look for is, quality people that share your values, right? So when you're at a startup, you're going to be working very closely with a small group of people. And if you can't respect, trust, and admire the people that are involved, first and foremost, when you're meeting them for the first time, move on. Uh, second thing that I look for is a concept that fills a big market need. And customers just don't spend money on nice or should solve problems. They spend money on must solve problems. So you want to take a look at that it's a product that you can believe in, that you're best case solving a must-solve problem, and that you do your homework where you can see what the analysts and influencers are saying to make sure that the market is big enough. And don't be afraid if if there's lots of competition. What you should do is worry if there's no competition, because the competition means that there's a market. And then um, finally, I look for a startup that's well-funded because you want to choose a startup that has a long enough runway to get off the ground. And so you want to make sure that it's properly capitalized so you have the best chance for growth and stability.
1: Wow, you've done a great job of describing what we as individuals should be looking for in a startup. What skills, interests, and experiences should startups be looking for in a candidate?
0: So there certainly are um, a number of skills that I look for, and I think sort of make you kind of a, a standout startup candidate. Now, these aren't exclusive to startups, but let me, let me share uh, the, those things. So first of all, it's people who embrace accountability uh, to get things done. Secondly, people communicate in thoughtful, smart, confident, and respectful ways. People who ask questions, uh, that often catches my eye. People who are not I people, and the I people are the ones that seemingly take all the credit for the stuff that is done, but rather those that are we people who share credit. Uh, someone who's prepared to work hard, because there certainly is no easy button. And a couple of other things is people who pay attention to the details. The devil is always in the details. And then, of course, those that have a combination of persistence and tenacity, because uh, in life, and certainly at startups, there are uh, constant obstacles that will get in your way. And so, um, and you're going typically against bigger, better-funded competitors. So what you you don't want to be one that gets uh, dissuaded or knocked off your game too easily when obstacles occur, because they will. But someone who has the tenacity to blast through them and then the persistence and, I guess, combination of patience to
1: make sure that you're you're in it for the long haul. Steve, it sounds like you just described a lot of the personality types that I deal with in my coaching and training business and. For our listeners, if you'll stay to the end of this podcast, I'm teasing you with a special offer at the end. It's only available in January, so we'll get that out at the end of the podcast. Steve, if you will, share with us a story that helps our listeners understand what it's like to be on the inside of a high-flying startup. So uh,
0: there's so many amazing stories. Uh, I remember when I joined a cybersecurity startup, uh, one that had a potential, and on that first day, the CEO organized a meeting with the company's leadership where they went one by one and told me about the big challenges that the company was facing, challenges my new team and I would be responsible for solving. Now, as we were going around the table, some may have viewed these challenges as insurmountable because... In our case, we were taking on, as I mentioned, uh, much bigger, better-funded competitors that had all of the advantages. And successfully solving for those challenges, I knew, would ultimately determine the fate of the company. So I went back to the office, and my new team and I went to work. And I'll never forget how hard they worked, how they stepped up and the amazing uh, teamwork that went into uh, solving for these challenges. And within the first 90 days of work, we built a completely new marketing plan and rolled it out to the company, along with a number of deliverables that set the company on a new course. And you could see the faces light up in the room of the people that were listening to this new plan, where they finally felt that they were uh, in a place where they understood how we were going to go about winning, and um, this new team that uh, that, that worked together uh, just bonded and came together. At that point, the entire team was aligned, and we were convinced that the market was ours for the taking. And for us, it really was execution off of that original plan that enabled the company to achieve a super successful uh, exit uh, five years later. And now, many years after the company has had that successful exit, so many of us descend on Houston, Texas, where we go to annual reunion parties, Uh, it's been 15 years now, every year, where literally every employee comes to this party and, and people fly in from all around the country. And all we could do is reminisce how awesome it was to be part of something so special. Uh, We all learned so much. We created bonds that will last the rest of our lives. Uh, To me, that is uh, at least uh, uh, an illustration of the type of scenario that it was like on the inside and uh, just how uh, cool and inspiring it could be and the lasting effect that you could have. Uh, on your life and on the lives of, of those that, that that work together at that startup.
1: It sounds like y'all you are know, a great group of people. And, and to know that you still get together today. you know, Earlier you spoke about that I person or the I people instead of the we people. And, and I just heard you set the example. You said my new team and I. So you put them ahead of yourself. You've given them the recognition. And it sounds to me like the team was up for the challenge. You know, I, I like to say we can't do anything alone. We need people to support us. And, and those this personality types, if you will, I need others that can help me. You need others that can help you. And when we come together as a team, these unsurmountable goals became achievable. And so this team it was kind of a funny story. And I just saw this just
0: on LinkedIn, just like a, a week ago. It was, it was uh, kind of funny. So, this, this team, and most of which that I inherited when I joined, you know, it was a small team and a couple of new people that I brought in with me at this particular company. When we did that rollout of the new plan, a lot of the deliverables after 90 days to the whole company, that uh, as they were um, in the audience, all sitting together of the entire company, sitting in this large room. And they all had, and I didn't know this, uh, t-shirts that they were wearing underneath their shirts that basically uh, said that, hey, it was basically built off of Survivor, that they survived a quarter of working for me. And what was so funny about it was, and these are people that to this day, this is 15 years since we had a great exit, we are still very close, uh, this team and I. And, and just just last week, someone posted on LinkedIn a picture of that shirt uh, just sent out to the uh, company LinkedIn group that still is fairly active, and it, was, uh, it was just brought a chuckle.
1: Yeah, they, anybody that can have a good time together, that always speaks of a really good, cohesive, and productive team. But you know what? We can't just live in the clouds startups often require long hours. How does one succeed without burning out or having a poor work-life balance?
0: That's a great question. And uh, and it, and it's true. You, you absolutely got to work hard uh, at startups and really at, at any place. But here's how I, I've managed it for, for myself and how I've coached others. First of all, I, I, I am a workaholic for sure, but I do not miss out uh, with, with my family. And so I think what you've got to do is you've got to be your own top priority where the most important item on the calendar is you. And what I would ask your listeners to do is to go take a test right now. Is are you priority number one? Does your calendar reflect it? So go ahead and open your calendar right now. And check to see how many appointments you have with yourself over the next couple of weeks. And I'll bet if you're like many that I talk with that you have too few, which means that a lot of the valuable uses of your time for things that might be super important for your family or going, working out for yourself or learning strategy time for yourself, making sure you don't miss uh, meals with with the family or kid's game or something like that, that that that, that time gets taken away from you. And so if you become your own top priority, you block time off on your calendar, and you'll find that people respect that, your managers respect that, as do others. I found that then that gives you far more control to manage to that work-life balance In a way, uh, by simply doing a far better job of managing your calendar and not letting it be eaten up by useless meetings or other things that just don't help further your top objectives at work, which then get in the way of achieving that balance. And the other thing that I would say, the last thing is, I don't think there's a perfect answer. So sometimes work life balance uh, almost by definition means that there is an answer. I, I actually heard a phrase the other day I think was was really good, and it was work-life harmony, which suggests, at least to me, that there's a scale. You know, sometimes there's going to be a little bit more at work. Sometimes there'll be a little bit more at home to so not get freaked out looking for the perfect answer. Uh, but, but schedule time for yourself
1: and your family. Be your own top priority. That's wonderful advice, and I gotta agree with you about that harmony. I've been trying to make the moments matter, so that you know I don't have two hours of family time and eight hours of work time, and you know, because like you said, it just seems to get blended. But but I am making sure that when I'm with my family, they have my undivided attention. I've been leaving the phone in the vehicle when we go to dinner together, you know, just trying to make sure those moments and that time with them is not spent. I mean, hey, we all like LinkedIn. That's how you, you found me. And But still, we need to be spending time with them and not wasting time on these uh, devices we have that have made our life uh, more efficient in ways, but, but still making sure when you're in the moment, you're with the people you're supposed to be with, you're giving them your full attention it's just good. So, so me, what are three recommendations you can offer our listeners to help carve their path in the startup world?
0: So first, view yourself as a startup. In many ways, this is the startup of you. And and ask yourself, why should someone invest in you? How would you respond to that? What's your elevator pitch? So develop an elevator pitch for yourself because startup executives, they want to know why you, and they want to know it in the first 60 seconds. I think second is when you choose to join a startup, approach that decision as an investor. So what criteria would you use to join a startup, as we covered before? Can you separate a startup with a good story versus a startup that is both a good story as well as a good chance at success? And, um, and for example, does the company's products have some unique dimension that's valued by its target buyers. And third, create your own personal blueprint to guide your career success. And what I've seen is that so many of us have created plans for which we're so proud. So the plans that might have goals, strategies, tactics, key milestones. You know, sometimes we hold ourselves or and others accountable. But have you actually documented a plan for your career? And that plan should contain conventional items like the goals and key milestones, but also some unconventional. So an example of one of those things is have you defined the type of people that you want to surround yourself with at work? And for me, I think Jack Welch, the former CEO at General Electric actually did have it right when he said that nothing matters more to winning than surrounding yourself with a plus talent. And so what's the type of a plus talent you need around you to make, uh, really to bring out the best in you, right? So those are three things that I think, um, people can use right away to
1: carve out their craft within the startup world. Well, those are definitely great recommendations. So, we you know, we got to bring all things, good things to an end, and so it's time for the podcast in. How can our listeners get a hold of you, Steve? So, uh,
0: you can get a hold of me in two ways. So, one would be at my website, which is BeAStartupSuperstar.com uh, or uh, just look for Steve Cahan at LinkedIn.
1: That'll be great. For the listeners, I'll, I'll add that to the podcast and the podcast description so it'll be easy to find there. And then we said earlier you authored a book. How can the listeners get a copy of your book?
0: So uh, my book, uh, Be a. Uh, a Startup Superstar is available on the website that I just gave or wherever books are sold online. And the book covers Uh, How you can choose the best startup, how you can best find and land a job at the best startup. And under what I call seven keys to the C suite, 35 actions, attitudes, and behaviors that one could take to maximize success while at a startup. And it's a quick read, it's very actionable, so you can take what you learn and immediately put it into use for your benefit. And if anyone does decide to, purchase the book. If they have any questions or comments and send it through my website, I respond to every one of them.
1: Well, that's great to know. They'll get to hear from the man himself, the author himself. Thanks for sharing that with us. For our listeners, it was great to have you on the Build Your Success podcast today. Just trying to grow you and help you build others. Listen, I do have that special offer for you. In the month of January only, here we are in 2020. We want to have a 2020 vision. And what better way than to find out your personality type and better ways to communicate with others? Visit our website, www.fieldcs.net. Go to our services on the DISC profile offering, and you have two options there. You can just get your DISC profile, or you can get that with a 30-minute debriefing with me. Both of those were offering a 20% off discount in the month of January. There'll be a coupon code when you put it in the cart. Just put 2020 in the coupon code. You'll get 20% off for the month of January. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Remember to build yourself and then build others. Thank you.
0: Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build
1: yourself and then build others.